Welcome to The Real Zodiac, a film retrospective podcast dedicated to reminding or introducing you to some of the most iconic films of all time, stirring up memories of ones you forgot or wish you could forget, and every film in between. Your hosts will be your tour guides and sometimes companions along this journey down the rabbit hole. Be warned, though, there will be blood, guts, more than a few bullet casings, love, despair, tears of joy, and cries of agony. Some from the hosts themselves, because some of these movies will make them wonder why did they choose these movies. Good luck, oh, and of course, enjoy the ride. I'd like to do a book of interviews from the point of view of the help. Be good to get it right. I'm on help. I'm on help, too. We all are. A book like this has never been written before. Courage sometimes skips a generation. Thank you for bringing it back to our family. The Help, rated PG-13, featuring the new song by Mary J. Blige. Hey guys, and welcome to The Real Zodiac. We are back in our drama series. This is movie number two. If you stuck around, you hopefully listened to Our Friend. I almost said Our our Podcast, Our Friend, if that made sense. So yeah, but uh, we just did that one, which uh, is on iTunes now. We did that with our good friend Brian. So tonight, um, we are going to be doing a different movie that some help with hosting obviously so i want to bring on the mini to my abilene amanda <laughs> mini yay <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm i'm starting to think that that's the best way to do it because i mean think about it you and i we're a great team we're a great duo just like the two women in this film mm-hmm. i liked it yeah and we can't forget our two lovely and understanding Southern Bells who embody the Skeeter <laughs> and Celia and all of us fresh off their very new and up and coming podcast, Knuckle Deep, Brayden and August. What's Hello. up? Yeah. So, uh, Brayden, go ahead and say what's up first. Hey. Hi, I'm Brayden. And uh, August? I, I'm August and I look like Brayden. Nice. Well, it's really nice because nobody else can see that. I didn't know if right. you understood how you, podcasts work. You'll have to take my word for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know how podcasts Just work. Close you'll your eyes. You watch Knuckle Deep. <laughs> yeah, every everybody. Yeah. So um, before we get too much into this film, I want to talk about your podcast for a little bit because um, fun fact for everybody: Brayden and I are actually a lot closer than uh, anybody realized. Because why would you know this? But he is the brother that I've mentioned a couple times on my podcast. So, yes, I've had my mother and my brother on my podcast. And uh, this is his do what? Dad's next. Dad will never get on a (laughs) podcast. I know that for sure. Um, But, yes, because he embodies um, introverted. So, yeah, we can't we can't really expect him to be on that. But you guys have your own podcast and you've had. Three episodes up or four? Three real episodes, yeah. Three real episodes. Okay, so yeah, kind of talk about that podcast just for our people to kind of know it. What's the name? 
Yeah, so it's Knuckle Deep, and uh, it's pretty much just me and August. We're best friends. We've been best friends for a while, and we just we talk about our lives, talk about what's going on in the world, uh, have some fun segments. It's a it's a good hour long listen. That's all it is. Yeah, I like that. I've uh, I've listened to uh, obviously a few of them, probably all of them, and I'm biased in saying it is really funny um, because. He tells a lot of stories that I don't know and then some stories that I do know. So obviously I get a little little joy in it. But, yeah, you can find that on YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, just all the all the places. Right. Podbean. Yeah. Podbean, iTunes. Awesome. Yeah. Leave them a review, too. That helps us out and leave us a review, too. So we want to know if we're doing well and they want to know if they suck or not. So obviously help them out. We kind of know. but. (laughs) <laughs> all right so yeah we're we're talking about the drama today called the help and uh brayden this is a film that you hold dear to your heart why uh well i watched this movie over the summer during quarantine and i i for some reason went on an octavia spencer binge i watched ma and like any other movie she's ever been in and uh this this was obviously my favorite one it's just Especially the summer with everything going on, like it's every every American should go back and watch this movie. Just I like it. And you kind of made um, you kind of made August watch it too. Yeah, yeah. August, have you seen this film before? Um, no, uh, not all the way through. I knew about the the pie, and that was pretty much the only detail I knew about. But I'll tell you what. I don't cry over anything, and I didn't cry over this movie, but I almost did. It is, it was really good. <laughs> like I don't cry awesome. for anything. But this got you. It almost, it almost did. It almost gotcha. did. So this was your first time seeing it, you said? Yeah. Gotcha. And Braden, have you only seen it once? Well, I've seen it the one time, and then we watched it today. Gotcha. All so. right. Amanda. How many times have you seen this, or was this your first time venturing um, out into the help? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw this in the theater when it came out, um, or if not in the theater, like real close to it. But I've only really seen it the one time through back then, and then again this time for for the podcast. Right. Okay. Yeah. The last night was the first time I've ever even like paid any attention to this film. I knew. There were two people in this. Octavia Spencer, because my brother is obsessed with her, and it's kind of weird. Um, no, it's not. And then Emma Stone. Emma Stone, obviously everybody's obsessed with her, and that's not weird because she's beautiful. But, uh, yeah, I'd never seen this before. I didn't even know about the pie scene that was apparently very famous. Um, my wife loves this film, so she and I watched it together, and she said, oh, my gosh, this is the part. And I was like, what? And she goes, you just got to watch. And I was like, all right. And, yeah, it was the pie scene. So, but before we get too much into it, because I do want to dive into this a little more, um, I will say that The Help is a 2011 period drama film written and directed by Tate Taylor and based on Catherine Stockett's 2009 novel of the same name. The film features an ensemble cast, which I was amazed with how many other people were in this film. Um, we have Jessica Chastain, who is America's sweetheart. I love her. Viola Davis, who is, I think, the world's sweetheart because she is such a great actress. 
Bryce Dallas Howard, which is our first Gwen Stacy in this film, Allison Janney, Octavia Spencer, and then our second Gwen Stacy, uh, Emma Stone. So I'm amazed by the amount of people that are in this. And also, we had a guy who I love um, from the show Glow. Uh, Amanda, do you know who I'm talking about? Mm-mm. Nope. Have you never seen Glow? I've just seen like the first two seasons. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, Chris Lowell or Lowell, however you say it. He played um, Bash in Glow. Bash Howard. Okay. Yeah, he was. He's the one who was kind of a dick to um, our character Emma Stone Skeeter towards the end of the film after the book was published. Um, I didn't even so realize that's that where was I knew him. him from. Yeah, because he does. He looks young. He looks really young. I thought like I didn't know how old he was really, so I didn't know if we were gonna like see a teenager. But I mean, no, he just looks like a young adult, which I think matches you know Emma Stone's very like. She was she seemed like a very young adult. That's um, crazy. Yeah, hmm. presence in this film. Have you guys seen Glow, Braden or August? I haven't. I've never seen it before. Nope. Dude, you guys are missing out. Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter anymore because Netflix sucks and they uh, canceled it. But we'll we'll go on yeah. from there. So yeah, we have <laughs> a really great cast of people in this film and. Um, basically the, the film and novel recount the story of a young white woman, aspiring journalist, Eugenia Skeeter Phelan. Um, and the story focuses on the relationship with two black maids, Abilene, uh, Clark and Minnie Jackson during the civil rights movement in 1963, Jackson, Mississippi. So the premise of this film is very heavily on just the working class system of um, African-Americans and where they were in terms of working in a small town in Mississippi. And something I'm going to say right off the bat is obviously you have the famous line that teaches you three things right off the bat. You as smart, you as kind, you as important, my friends, are three things to live by at any age. So I didn't know that this was from that movie, you know. So um, it was really interesting to kind of like it's always interesting to like see pop culture um, in films later in your life because you're like, oh, I've heard that before countless times, but I didn't know where that was from. Right. So it was cool seeing it here. And I mean, I think that message goes along throughout this whole film um, in the terms of being smart, being kind and obviously being important because I think every character has their um, their time to shine in this film. I mean, even even the character of Bryce Dallas Howard. I mean, she shines in a very different way, um, a very negative light. But at the same point, I mean, they're all getting their moment. And um, I think I'm going to say this a lot during this show, but they did a really good job of portraying each character and having each having their own character arc, because this is a film full of people like full of different actors and actresses. And they're all getting like a character arc in a two and a half hour movie. So, I mean, it's obviously not short, but it obviously takes its time with the film and I have to give it credits there, but let's kind of go off the bat. uh, Just kind of like first impressions. I'm going to start with Amanda, my lovely co-host. Um, what did you think of this film going in? 
Um, going into it, I mean, I know that there was like big buzz when it first came out, and after people had seen it, you know, it was going to get some uh, award attention, and it did. And uh, yeah, going back to watch this and seeing how this movie put a lot of people in the spotlight that needed to be in the spotlight was just to see how their careers have gone in the past 10 years is just fantastic. And yeah, I love that. What about you, August? Like what were your, what were your thoughts going into this film and kind of throughout it that uh, stuck by you? Well, I mean, I knew it was going to be good and I knew it, uh, I was going to like it mostly because I mean, it kind of is, it's not exactly a, a reminder of the th- recent events and stuff, but it's nice to see a movie beca- uh, about, you know, black empowerment and uh, uh, outing racist racism, I guess is kind of yeah. what the movie's about. Um, it was refreshing, I guess is the right way to put it. It was just, I thought it was great. The beginning, the whole movie was a really good arc to know, to know, well, I guess I didn't know beforehand because I had seen the movie, but to know that everyone was going to be okay in the end was really nice as well. You know, a lot yeah. of movies, I'm not a big fan of whenever you ha- they build you to love this character and then they take them away or their life is ruined at the end, and I'm really happy that that didn't happen in this film. Yeah, don't watch Game of Thrones. All right, uh, Brayden, so what about you, bud? What, saying that this was a film that really impacted you, can you kind of give specific examples or just like overall thoughts, whichever one you want to do. Well, yeah, it's, it touches on so many different topics that are still like most of them are relevant and some to some capacity today. So, and when I was rewatching it, I, I watched it the first time. I remember the first time I watched, I fell asleep halfway through and then I had to go back and, watch it again but then my second time fully watching it through i just forgot how much detail there is and like you're not left wondering you know what's happening who's going where who's doing what and when you think you know where it's going it takes you another way and you're still happy i just i think it's a pretty important movie and acted out well yeah I'm going to backpack off of what August said. And now the way that I'm trying to word it is because our big thing is we're not trying to offend anybody here. Um, Obviously in this day and age of 2021, everybody gets offended. So I'm going to be careful with my words, but I'm going to try to say it as, as best as I can. This film needed more this year and last year than a lot of other films. And the reason why I say that is because I think people are losing sight of how we perceive others and just how in this film, a lot of the women that are working are perceived as objects and that's it, you know, and I'm not talking like sexually, I'm talking in just a utilitarian type of way to the point where, you know, you're watching it and you're shaking your head and you're like, how could this ever be? But over and over throughout this film, 
I I'm watching it and I'm and I'm thinking like we're still not that far off from this. Like there are people that still feel this way towards a certain race or a certain a certain group of people that you know it just it baffles me and it sickens me to see. But Amanda, I mean, am I am I right in saying that I feel like even though this is in the 60s and we're you know in the in 2020 and 2021 like. <laughs> we still have a lot of growth to, yeah, to do. Yeah, we've come a long way, but there's a hell of a long way to go. Yeah. 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 I was chatting exactly. about this movie with one of my clients, and like in my head, I was kind of thinking like you, Quentin, where it's like, this wasn't that long ago. And my client's like, no, it was like 60 years ago. That's a long time ago. And I was like, mm, no, in my head, I don't think so. No, it's because yeah. here's here's how I look at it is 60 years ago or however long it is. I mean, 63, what I think of when I think of 63, I think of uh, the Beatles, uh, Please Please Me album coming out that year. We still have two Beatles that are still living. OK, mm-hmm. yeah, we still have two Beatles that are living. It's not that far off They're yeah. You know, they're 80 or so, but like still in their life times they saw this hatred yeah. of race yeah they saw this they were making music while this was happening and we view it as being so far and so long ago but really it isn't it's like a generation back i mean yeah <laughs> like i know yeah born in, like my parents would have been the little kids in this movie except exactly. you know they didn't live in the south right right so it's like just um, a generation off like one generation Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scary. Makes you just want to, yeah. you know. Really terrible. But, uh, it is, yeah. So we do have some saving graces in this film, though, um, because we have, like, the, the women I've already mentioned. But I'm just going to say it right now. I, I obviously have the biggest crush on Jessica Chastain. And Courtney, thank God she understands, you know. Because there are multiple times in this film where I'm just like, gosh, she's so pretty, you know, or like, man, she just holds to a different like she, she definitely walks to a different tune in this film. And yeah. her character of uh, is Cecilia Foote. Yeah. Um, it's just so fun to watch on screen. And I think she might have been my favorite character. So I agree. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that she's my favorite character, but. She definitely, throughout the whole movie, we definitely saw the most growth from her, I would I would say, or at least one of the characters that had the most growth, because when you meet her in the movie, she's a klutz, she's dumb, she doesn't understand anything, but then Minnie comes in uh, as her secret maid, because uh, uh, we find that Minnie at least assumes that Celia's husband, John, right? That was yeah. her... Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. We, uh, we, Come on, man. Good we're, Johnny. <laughs> we assume, or we're led to think that he's a racist and will do something horrible to Minnie if he finds out she's on his property. But, but then Minnie teaches Celia how to do things, how to cook, how to clean. And uh, there's some t- horrible things that happen to Celia. She loses her third child, I think. Is that what it was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She had two before the, yeah. in this movie. And it was before she even had, like, a bump. She was pregnant, and before she even had a bump, she lost her baby. And that was a dramatic scene, and it was 
not only is Jessica Chastain, you know, super hot, but also <laughs> she had an, her character was really well acted out by her, and it show, it showed a lot of growth throughout the film. I would I would say. What about you, Braden? You got anything you want to add, bud? Yeah, I mean, I would also add on to that that in the, in the beginning she's still trying to join like the bridge club and she wants to be a part of these these suburban girls and these suburban moms they're all having babies and but she's an outcast and in the beginning of the movie you know before many even meets her she's trying to get in there and become one of them and at the end of it she realizes she doesn't need that and that she has everything she needs yeah and i love it because you have many who basically like obviously this I think this film was like PG thirteen. But if it was yeah. rated R, I mean I could totally see you saying, Man, fuck 'em. You know, like yeah. you don't need those people. And Minnie is a good character to have us follow because she's kind of the very like sassy and attitude driven um person to watch. Like she's kind of the you know, the uh, can't think of the word like the wild one in a way like Mm -hmm. she's she's this yeah spry i'm like i said i'm messing up my words here but um she does a really good job of just kind of being the one that like is seems a little untamed like she gets after one thing and she puts her mind to it and that's why she ends up helping abeline and skeeter with this um with this story but Let's talk about Skeeter because I want to get all the good characters out of the way before we hit the bitches. I mean, uh, the the bad <laughs> ones. Um, but yeah, we we get introduced to Eugenia Skeeter Phelan. Is that how you say it, or is it Felon? Sure. All I think right. I think it's cool. Phelan. I have a feeling. Yeah, Felon might not go too you well. It's you have a feeling. It's Phelan. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I have a feeling. Um. But yeah, so let's talk about this character a little bit. I'm going to start with Amanda because um, I want to get you in here, obviously. <laughs> oh, of course, I love this. And, you know, there's and I know this is a, one of those movies. And even when the book was written um, and I know that it is a, a white a white main character and it follows that oh design of the white savior. But that's kind of what the book was. But um, she's yeah. a, a girl that's, you know, different for her time. She's ahead of her time. She's one of those outliers that does not want to stay in Jackson and settle down and have the family. She wants to do her writing, be creative, be uh, independent. You know, like she's an early feminist. I mean, <laughs> easy peasy. But she's also someone who wants to fight for other people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're you're right. She's very forward thinking. I mean, that's the mentality that you wish that everybody had. Like, hey, why isn't everybody equal? Or why why aren't these women having their stories told? Why are they being bogged down and pushed out of the frame, you know, of history? So Why racism? I, yeah. <laughs> plain and simple. Sums um it up. put it on a hat. Dodgeny. <laughs> Um, Brayden, what about you? What did this character really st- strike with you, or did you feel that um, I don't know that she might have like my my understanding was that yes, she was the main character, but she's not the one I really followed as much. Abeline was, no. but I, so you you agree that it was all Skeeter? 
I mean, obviously none of this could have happened, especially, I mean, in this movie, but also in this time, if Skeeter wouldn't have had her hand in it. But um, I think that it's just because she was raised by Constantine, um, and she just has that level of empathy that, you know, she grew up in an age where people were, like, black people were beginning to incorporate into society when her parents and her grandparents, when they were slaves before. So she definitely has, she doesn't have the level of, um, she doesn't see black and white. She just sees people, you know? Yeah. August, how about you, bud? Uh, in this film, I think they walked a very thin line of having a movie that's about African-American people during uh, the civil rights movement and having a white main character. I think maybe even throughout the film, I feel like maybe I noticed, but maybe I'm breaching that even in shots where Skeeter was in the room, in the shot, it was whether it was her talking to Minnie and Abilene or something, she was never in the center of the shot or she was when it was like maybe just her, but it was never, I feel like they didn't make her to be a white savior, especially when like Brayden said, if Abilene and Minnie tried to do this on their own, no one would do anything about it because of the color of their skin, which of course is absolutely fucking ridiculous. But I mean, they, I think the author of the book had to put that in there so it would maybe even be more realistic for the time that the book is taking place in the movie. That's that's what I feel about Skeeter. I feel like it was necessary without making her a, a white savior, I guess. I think I liked that a lot, mostly because... I thought it was it's weird because yes she's she is the main character but to me she feels like a player in like a three main character cast I agree. Of, you know it mm-hmm. being yeah Skeeter um Abilene and Minnie mm-hmm. um cuz I do want to talk about Minnie um I know we we kind of glossed over her but like Octavia Spencer does an amazing job with this role and uh like it what Octavia Spencer does in her spunk and her attitude, Abilene's character or Viola Davis's character of Abilene makes up with like her calm and just like patience and statue like patience. Yeah, exactly. Like she, they are like two sides of a coin, but that damn, that coin is so fucking awesome. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, and if you know me, I'm all about my analogies. I mean, Amanda knows. I was making analogy after analogy with fucking uh, Malcolm and Marie, which is another episode we did, bonus episode. I know we're plugging our show on our show. What's going on with us? Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so out of the three, did did you enjoy one's performance over the other, or was, was it, did it seem like pretty... Uh, on the same plane. Um, I'm going to ask Amanda. Yeah, I think it's they're pretty much on the same plane because, like you said, they're two sides of the of the same coin, and just the sassiness. And then you have like um, like the heart the heartbreak and the sadness of 
the other. I mean, they're just two opposite personalities, and they just work really well together. Just all of their little asides in the kitchen when they're together or other places that they're together, like the benefit and whatnot. Just their little conversations were just both, like, hilarious. Yeah. I love their side conversations because my only thinking is, like, I feel like, I mean, obviously they're not being abused um, physically by their owners, I uh, per se, but they're not, it's not like they're like being treated like family, you know, they're, they're yeah. there to work and they're there to get paid little. And these like moments where you have the two women where they're like laughing and just having a good time in the kitchen and Minnie's eating that deviled egg. I just, I cracked that's, up because it's just, yeah, she's just, you, you can tell that in those glimpses, they're, they're getting that chance to be people. Gosh, and that sounds so shitty to say because they should always be people. But like in this instance, they're they're getting the opportunity to talk to each other and like to socialize with each other. And they both know from each other's background how important it is for for them to work. So they put themselves out there, but then they get to take back just a little bit with these little scenes that, like I said, I love. I'm glad that they had that in there to break up the monotony of like pain, sadness, um, just like aggravation that we're having as the audience. So yeah, I just, I love that. Yeah. I think, um, I think a way it can be looked at is that every African American woman, at least because that's kind of what this movie focuses on is the help in quotations, of course, like, African-American women coming in and raising the children and cleaning the houses of racist white women. And uh, I think Abilene and Minnie are the same brain of every person who worked as a maid. And that Minnie is the side of what you want to say, or not that what you want to say, as if I have any idea how horrible that is, but what probably what someone who is a maid under a racist white woman like Hilly uh, would want to say, but then Abilene is what you actually say and do throughout the movie until the end where she finally confronts Hilly about stuff and Elizabeth about stuff. But I think it's like, it's like they're the left and right brain of most African women, African American women at the time. No, I think that's perfect to say because um, that's something I put in my notes is I'm just going to read it because you you totally like hit it on the head. Um, it's interesting getting these historically accurate scenarios in an everyday life of a small Mississippi town. And the fact that this was going on everywhere in the South really shows the weight of this film. And what you said exactly fits into that. Like it's it's we're, we're only seeing a small glimpse of this and. Thankfully, towards the end, like we get to have some kind of like fist pumping hurrah scene, but that's not happening everywhere else. You know, they're it, it's going to take years. And so I just I value that for what we get in this film. But I mean, it's still that's so I like that you're already putting in a personality and like the the way that these women kind of. um signify or like symbolize the like whole 
federation of women that are working you know i can't think of the word but no that's perfect i love it demographic that works federation sounds cooler but yeah demographic is yeah maybe probably the if they're in arms yeah <laughs> the galactic federation of the help <laughs> yeah. no i do i want to talk about millie i, I want to talk about millie because you brought her up um i don't like seeing bryce dallas howard as an evil, evil person because she is two things for me one she's the gwen stacy i grew up with in 2007 and uh two she is the uh director and star of one of my favorite black mirror episodes you know what i'm talking about amanda of course i do yeah it's um, so and it's so meta in this uh movie <laughs> Going back to, I agree. to thinking about it, where it's like, be perfect, be perfect, do all the right things, be the best one. Ugh. Yeah. So, Hilly Holbrook, she is a bitch. Um, <laughs> she's kind of our antagonist in this whole film. And, like, I'm sitting in one of the best things. This is why I wish Courtney would get on the mic. Courtney's my wife. And it's just the way that she just, like, talks through the film and she just says ooh she's horrible and like just stuff like that like she's the audience for me that's why I love watching movies with her because she's basically saying what the audience is is thinking you know and she says so many times because it's true this woman is sick to the bone of just like making sure that everybody is below her i mean white yep. and black but it's it's so prominent actually towards the end when she's losing control and um yeah, and like we said earlier, I mean, she is embracing the um, idea of wanting to be important, which is one of the three lessons that we learn at the beginning, is she's trying to be important. And throughout this whole film, she she tries to embody being smart, being um, kind, not kind, I'm sorry, but she like wants to have that false, you know, pretense of like, I am kind. I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to make sure that we stay above the rest, you know, and she, yeah, she just sucks. But um, yeah, so here's the floor to anybody who wants to badmouth Millie or Hilly. Hilly. Sorry. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I mean, she was terrible throughout the whole movie. And although you're right, she wasn't kind at all. She would definitely try to make herself out as kind. I can't remember the name of the maid she got. After Minnie, um, oh, Yule May, uh, Yule May, yeah, yeah. Uh, the whenever, right? I'm sorry, what? The one with the twins in college or going yeah. to college? Yeah, when uh, when yeah, she Yule asked, May. when she asked Haley for uh, seventy five dollars, uh, Haley's like, well, I'm helping you out by not giving it to you because you'll have now you got to work for it, and you're just like, shut up, dude. You're like super rich. Just give her the money, you turd. But I mean, Haley is just the worst. And I don't mean to get into a different character, but when uh, Skeeter's mom, Charlotte, yells at her at the end of the movie or towards the end of the movie, that was one of my favorite scenes when she comes right. out and you're you're thinking that she because they give you the uh, the image early when you find out what happened to uh, Constantine that she is a racist or like she's putting herself above other people 
But then she comes out and she talks about the pie and says that to Haley and talks about her cold sore that she has going on. And to see Haley finally get put to pretty much her lowest point in the movie is and it's so nice. It's so good to watch that happen. Yeah. And that's that's the best part is like everyone, you know, people that kind of leaned that are on the fence of being obviously on the side of the people writing the help book and the people who weren't everyone either went one way or the other before the end of the film. And that's why I think it was um, I think Hilly kind of made people decide if you were with her or not, even if you weren't a part of the bridge club or not. But like Skeeter's mother. She obviously is was proud of her daughter and was proud of what she did. And she also feels like some she she's suffering in her own way because she broke Constantine's heart when you know that she loved Constantine. But her looking good in front of all these other white women was more important than than keeping this yeah. woman that raised her children. Yeah, so. Dude, and fuck uh, the, those other women. Sorry. Yeah, for real, they suck. But the the, the thing that uh, Charlotte Skeeter's mom says in the end is like really ties their relationship together too, because it, it's kind of edging at the fact that uh, Charlotte's at the end of her life. Skeeter's mom is towards the end of her life. She has cancer, I think, is what we pretty much understand yeah. from the whole film. And uh, but she tells Skeeter that courage sometimes skips a generation, which I mean that didn't like hit me real hard, but that was a really meaningful message about their relationship and how she turned down, uh, Constantine and her daughter. And, but then knows about Skeeter's book, even though it's written by anonymous. I just thought that was awesome. (laughs) She told her that, uh, it was, or that courage skips a generation. Yeah. Charlotte was a character that came around towards the end. And thank God, because I love that actress. She Did you guys know she's the voice of Leela from Futurama? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love that um, show. Amanda, what what about you? Do you do you have anything to add? Um, yeah, just Charlotte. I think she did love her, um, love Constantine and Rachel. And it's obviously, you know, like they were maybe not the, the so-called hilly type perfect family, but she, you know, got swept up in this award or whatever it was she was given. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, um, <clears throat> just I think her coming to, to terms with the end of her life and realizing that her daughter is her own person just kind of. And, you know, we know that her daughter put that story of Constantine in the book. And so for her to even read her, about her own actions mixed in with all these other stories I think just put things into perspective. Like life is short, you know. Don't be a bitch, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't be get that on a hat. Life is life is short. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I was gonna say something about Charlotte. Um, not was it about Charlotte? I think it's interesting to see the representation of women in this film. Um, starting with Charlotte, I mean, there is a lot of absences of men in this film and it's interesting that they go with that. Like all the men in the film seem like cowards and I absolutely love that perspective in this film Yeah, because 
yeah, it's just so different. And like the women are in charge. I mean, get like she's just so like so much, man. I just I don't want to keep saying that she sucks, but she does. Um, but like she seems like she is she is the end all be all. And um, you're seeing like the relationship between Minnie and um, Celia and just like the mention of Johnny here and there, but you're not really seeing him. And then he shows up towards the end there with a hilarious scene of Minnie like throwing, oh, yes. <laughs> trying to throw shit at him like, oh, God, you know, <laughs> and um, I, that was that was a good another good scene for me was that that scene hey, where girl. he talks to her. Yeah, yeah. I, I will tell you, like, that is one of the best scenes where you're seeing, like, the character growth and the character arc of Celia when she puts the food on the table after, you know, like, basically, she just seemed like, in like, uh, it's kinda. yeah, she just wasn't doing much, you know, with her life. She's like, yeah, I want to pretend I clean, but I don't really clean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just love that. Um, so like having having many be there, and just the way that Celia talks to many as a human, and not just like something that clean, like a vacuum, you know, like clean this up. I love that. Like the yeah. the fact that Celia already sees that. You know, he's all, and um, like it, it, there's no change in her dialect or speech about how she's addressing many to anyone else who would, you know, give her time, which was another thing that I hated for Celia is that, you know, she goes through all this trauma and nobody wants anything to do with her because they think that she led Johnny to cheating. And that's all he said. She said bullshit anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I like I like uh Celia's character and I think I think the men that had the most speaking roles were pretty appropriate. I think maybe his name is Henry, the African American guy that works Henry, at the diner. Oh, I about cried when I saw him. Uh <laughs> he's from True Blood. Uh and he's no longer with us, but he's one of my favorite characters oh. in that show and when I heard him speak again in this movie, I forgot it was him. Oh. Uh, Damn. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, Lafayette. I'm so sad. <laughs> yeah, he was great. And he was, uh, like you said, a lot of the men in this movie were completely cowards. And he was, he, although I guess he didn't do anything major in the movie, but him offering to walk Abilene home when they were kicked off the bus or him uh, pretending to clean the counter when telling Skeeter to go to Abilene's house, uh, he him he did a really great job or did a really good thing in the movie and it was nice that to have that in the movie what he did and then uh johnny at the end was also like really refreshing because that you your initial feeling is like oh gosh what's gonna happen oh god is he about to shoot Minnie? is this how this movie's gonna end and then he's actually laughing stop <laughs> and then he turns out to be a really great guy and well, at least what the movie shows us is that he's a not racist and is welcoming right. of many. And to have them come to have that come together was super cool uh, to know that Johnny wasn't a racist, even though 
I think they did a I think they purposely put it in there that when you find out that Minnie is being has to leave at these certain times because of Johnny, you th- immediately think that he's going to be a a terrible person. He's going to be a racist and he's going to be all these terrible things. But to have it come together you know, in the end was great. Yeah, that was my thought was that he was an abuser to Celia. Um, yes. Really? I yeah. never got any of that from this. <laughs> well, it was it was just the fact that like you know you don't know you don't know what's behind closed doors, mm-hmm. and so that's why I thought that because we didn't know who Johnny was. You know, we didn't see him until like the dinner scene, which I definitely want to get to, or the auction scene, whatever, whichever you want to call it. Um, and so like I I didn't know what to think because I mean in my head I'm looking at um, Minnie's husband and how he abused her you know and like we have that story in there Leroy thank you Uh and so like it was planted in my head that okay there are some abusive relationships in this film so I just thought that Celia was going to be like she was going to be the um parallel to Minnie and I can see that yeah that's the only reason that I really thought that but I was super relieved to see that Celia was, you know, not getting abused. She was just, she's just kind of there, you know, like a limp noodle on the wall. You know, she just <laughs> didn't have much going for her. Um, and I'm saying that with the utmost respect because, I, like I said, I love Celia. So um, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I, I'm just so happy that they got a super happy ending. And, I mean, I again, I hate that um, – Many still has to, you know, like be a servant, but at the same time, she seemed genuinely happy to be there, and like it was, was tearing up when she was, you know, offered the job for the rest of her life. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that shows you like she finally found a family that cares about her yeah. as as a family, you know, not just somebody there to clean, you know. And I think that is really beautiful um, to have that bow on the end there with their story mm-hmm. um, yeah but yeah yeah but uh, yes yeah, so i mean yeah go on go on august i just that was great <laughs> i that's pretty much all i wanted to say it was really nice to see the storyline <laughs> come together and also i mean uh there's a saying that i'm gonna butcher because i don't remember it but you you're not ever working if you enjoy what you're doing and i think she's made a friend out of celia and at least feel safe around Johnny, which is all you could ask for, I guess, at that time when being an African-American woman around white people is to just feel safe. And, uh, you know, I feel like she is glad, happy with the job she's given. Um, and that's really nice to have tied off at the end, like you said. Yeah, it was the perfect ending. It was the most satisfying ending, like, Right when that dinner scene closes and you hear um, Viola Davis's voice over and she's like, and after that dinner, she finally had the courage to take her kids from under Leroy. And like, you just get the most satisfying close to Minnie's whole storyline. And it's, I don't think it could have been done any better. Yeah. How about you, Amanda? Anything else? No, you guys kind of wrapped it up well, but I did love that, you know, Johnny telling Many that um, saying like she's told me everything and you've saved her life. 
because I don't oh. think she I don't think she yeah. maybe realized the impact that she had and it was such a huge positive thing and it's kind of one of those things it's like well I saved her life now I'm gonna save mine yeah right yeah wow. definitely yeah. um because I feel like we're kind of ending with Minnie's story which I love but we can't go without talking about the pie scene yeah because. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that obviously I feel like is kind of the breakaway scene for this film, and it really shows Octavia Spencer at her full force. Yes. Um, <sighs> yeah, so let's kind of talk about that. Um, oh, Brayden, can you so kind of give us a scene, like what kind of break it yeah. down? For okay. Us? So, like, in the beginning, I forget. Uh, all the maids are lined up on the bus, and you see Minnie walking with her signature chocolate pie in the big pile of whipped cream in the middle and then she uh you she said i got something to do you go on and then later in the movie when she has to tell her um oh what does she call it a terrible it's like the terrible awful or something terrible awful or something like that she says that every time she mentions it so you get taken back and then she walks up to uh hilly's house and hilly lets her in and Hilly's on her second slice, and she's just telling her this and that about Minnie. She's like, you're this, you're that. You're lucky I even let you in here. And then Hilly's mom walks in. and uh, who's, who's played by Sissy Spacek, by the way. I just yes. have to mention that because we definitely did an episode of Carrie on uh, The Real Zodiac with my mother talking about Sissy Spacek. Um, just wanted to mention that as well. So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so they're <laughs> they're talking, and Minnie gets riled up to the point she's so tired of uh, of listening to Hilly go on and on, and she goes in, she's slicing her second slice, she plops on her plate and is digging oh, in. Oh, you say plop. <laughs> <laughs> and then Come Octavia on. or Minnie goes, "Eat my shit." Oh, so good. <laughs> and Hilly goes, "What?" She goes, eat my shit. And then uh, he goes, what did you just say to me? And she said, you're going to be sorry you said that to me. She said, am I? Because you already are. <laughs> yeah. And that, the terrible awful. That oh, terrible and awful. like she doesn't register it. Like she's not yeah. making sense of it. And, and her mother starts laughing. Yes. Yeah, her, like, her oh dementia rhythm. Her dementia-riddled mother, who is yeah. one of my other fave characters. I can't remember what her mom said. It was like, I might not know my name, or I might not remember my name or what country I live in, but I remember two things. How my daughter yes. put me in a nursing home and how she ate a shit pie. Yes. I think that's it's, her last line. Yeah, it's yeah. so awesome. And it, it's completely deserved the because uh, Minnie, brings, Minnie brings Hilly a pie because Hilly fired uh mini when it was there was a there was a super like bad storm outside there was a tornado abeline as the narrator tells us 10 people died uh eight white and two black no it was 18 people uh eight white 10 black people or something like that something like that and then but so uh mini has to go to the bathroom and she looks outside to the bathroom that she's supposed to use and it's obviously pouring down rain. There's stuff flying everywhere. And 
uh, Haley's mom says that she can go to the inside one, of course, because that's ridiculous, to make her walk out in that ri- mm-hmm. terrible weather. And then, um, gosh, she's so such a cunt. <laughs> she really is just <laughs> the worst. And uh, so, uh, <laughs> Minnie tells Haley that she's gonna go put tea on for her mom or whatever, and then goes and uses the bathroom. And uh, uh, Haley gets up because she suspects that Minnie's using the bathroom, which of course she is. And uh, Haley's like, what are you doing in there, Minnie? And then as a punch in the face before she gets fired, uh, Minnie flushes the toilet and yeah. then Haley loses her goddamn mind. Yeah. And that's why that's why Minnie brings her the pies, because she is apologizing, although she's obviously not apologizing. She's uh, shitting on her day, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think in that scene, too, like. Hilly's mom is just like, just go use the guest bathroom. Like, don't send her out yeah. in a storm like this. Yeah. Like, her mom's, like, so reasonable. It's like, how did this reasonable lady raise such a psycho? Such a piece of shit. Oh. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. You are what you eat. <laughs> what? Oh, God. <laughs> you are what you eat. Two pieces of shit. Um, I think it's, I think it's good that, yeah, I think it's good that we uh, mentioned just that scene because, that's kind of it feels like that's kind of the downfall for Hilly. And wow. she's like clinging on everything she can. And I mean, the last straw is we've already mentioned, you know, when she goes to um, Skeeter's house. But yeah, so we kind of we kind of went through all of all of Minnie's like greatest hits in this film. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to shift gears and get real depressing here with Abilene's story. Because we're talking about a woman that lost her son, uh, Trelore. Uh, what a fucking baller name. Like, Trelore? You know, that sounds <laughs> awesome. Um, it is. But, yeah, so she she loses her son. And, like, it, it feels like she's kind of using the way that she can um, help, help me. What's... What's uh May May Mobley. Okay. May Mobley. That's I was trying to remember her name. Um yeah, Elizabeth Lee Fold's daughter, May Mobley. Um, she kind of uses that as kind of not a replacement, but just kind of like a a hole that will never be filled with the death of your child. But she's using this as kind of a way to Cope. keep her sanity and like to keep yeah, to keep going and coping. And you see them throughout this whole film. She's the whole reason why we hear those three life lessons that, you know, Mae Mobley gets and we take in our heart, but God, Abilene is such a great character. And then for everything that she's given and done and, you know, the, the applause that she's given at the church at the end of the film with the signed book and everything like just the pure joy of actually accomplishing something to her at the end of the film walking away from the only life she had because of Hilly. Yeah. Hilly yeah. makes sure to get that last stab in before the credits start rolling. Yeah. It's really, I mean, you kind of hope because you can tell, uh, is Elizabeth her name? The other white woman at the end of the scene. Who yeah, who Hilly's the one who yeah. could be nice if, he, if she chose to. You can tell yeah. she's completely conflicted at the end of the movie, so I think it. I think it's nice to have an image in your head, or at least everyone hopes that maybe she reached out to Abilene after the 
where the end of the movie is because clearly her daughter loves Abilene. I mean, mm-hmm. all that she's screaming and cr- screaming and crying as Abilene is walking out of the house, and you can see Elizabeth is like super conflicted, while Hilly cries like a loser in her living room right. as she should. Cold sore. Cold yeah. sore. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say bitch. <laughs> Deserves it. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I actually now just forget what I was talking about. But that little, or yeah, uh, Abilene definitely did, and it's kind of like losing a second child to her. But she, I think uh, Abilene knows that this is more important and better for her life the second time around, I guess, than the first time. Yeah. <sighs> Amanda, what do you have anything else you want to add to that? No. I know, like, <laughs> it's shitty, and it's how so many tight. times can you say it's mm-hmm. shitty, you know? Without um, it being this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just so weird because of the stories that are told from, you know, Skeeters being able to follow her dream, and she's leaving, you know? She's, she's getting out of uh, Mississippi, and you're you're getting many story of triumphing over racism with uh Celia and Johnny and then here's like one of the most caring people and how you said she's calm she's patient and she's getting thrown out because of being falsely accused of stealing which a fork a f- no a fork and knife sir or and two a forks and a knife <laughs> it was something, something. Like yeah. three pieces of silverware. Right. Um, and it's just, it sucks because you could look at it as a parallel to the way you'll may. She's struggling to get her kids in college, so she's trying to pawn off a ring, and she gets thrown in jail. So you're like seeing the consequences of that and how that could happen to Abilene if she doesn't do what she's told. And mm-hmm. it sucks because Abilene's great. Fuck. Hilly? Yeah. Dumb. Yeah. Dumb, dumb. Get Hilly some Abrevo for your fucking lips, dude. Get some, get some cream to put on that. Some Origel. So, yeah, for real. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, like, we've covered a lot of what's going on in this film. Uh, I think the last, like, the character that, I like seeing and just having her story told. Constantine was just a treasure to watch on screen. Really? Oh, she was. What a sweetheart. And like the thing that really pushed her over the edge for me was that she sat down with, um, with Skeeter after, I guess it was a prom or a dance mm-hmm. and she was talking to her and like, it was like a mother and, and daughter moment. And that's how she viewed Constantine was as a mother figure. Because you look at Charlotte and she wasn't she was no, she's not she's not the mother you want. Obviously she kind of turns into it later in the film whenever she kind of realizes the wrong she's done. But for most of Skeeter's life, Constantine was everything. And to have that ripped away with no explanation Mm-hmm. Like that is shitty. That is it's so. It's like not horrible. telling. Yeah, not telling you that someone had passed away that is close to you in your life. Yeah, I mean, it, but it was Amanda. That that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened. Yep. Yeah. 
and to find out how it happened is just uh yeah that like, scene that's a whole separate grieving process yes. sorry that's all i wanted to say go ahead that scene oh my gosh that scene at right after charlotte kicks him out and uh it's just constantine in a room and she goes up to her door and there's all the height marks of not only rachel her actual daughter she gave birth to in like that lives in the house that constantine's in but skeeter is on the wall too or on the door too in constantine's house like it's not it's not skeeter's name on a door in charlotte's house it's skeeter's name on a door in constantine's house who is their maid like that just shows how big of a mother figure constantine was i think that's what's what makes it different from like Skeeter and Constantine's relationship compared to like Abelines and May Mobley's because there's no way Elizabeth would let Abelene take May home and watch her if she had to go do something. Abelene was going there and she was watching this baby, but Charlotte trusted um, Constantine so much. Well, actually, she was probably an absent mother, but she she Skeeter spent so much of her childhood growing up with Rachel, um, spending time in that house, and uh, I don't know. That scene made me cry. That was the one that did it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, a lot it almost, of growth in this film. That's yeah. all you gotta say. Yeah, it really, really was the scene that almost got me. Like uh, after everything else built up, of course, was whenever at the end, Elizabeth is in the background. Uh, she's all blurry, and it's just it's uh Abilene and May hugging and. Uh, May's like saying I is kind sure. and smart and important or whatever yeah. and Abilene's crying and it's that scene just ripped me to shreds. Yeah. I think that was a very like I think it's why or no it it's good that they chose the uh, ending scene first and then the Abilene scene because Although we'd like to think that there are a bunch of minis out there in the South during this time, it really was a lot of a lot more Abilene's having to deal with, right. you know, getting yeah. essentially fucked over. And yeah. for the hard work that they put in, that they can just be whisked away in a matter of seconds. For stealing a fork. Yeah. For doing something they didn't even do. And yeah. Well, and you know that that fork and knife were in the other kid's bed. Right. She yeah, even she said, said that May did that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. God. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But I think it was wise, and it adds a somber ending, but a very real ending to yeah. a film that um, just really tries its best, and it does a good job of showing you the the hard times for these for for people in the south that are just being screwed over because of their skin yeah so yeah like with that it's it sucks yeah yeah and i like how they throw in a lot of um just a lot of some of the things happening at that time and the politics yes talking about just like we don't get social security we don't get this we don't get that like this is our only option and then to make ends meet, she has to pull her daughter out of school to send her off to be a maid because that's that's the only option. That's right, the yeah. only option mm-hmm. that they see. Yeah. Another big thing about that I noticed in the film was uh, 
all these horrible things are happening to African Americans all over America, uh, obviously, particularly in the South. Uh, but the death of John F. Kennedy, mm-hmm. who was such a big uh, influence on the civil rights movement, and uh, like he tried, he pushed a lot for that, unlike any president since pretty much Abraham Lincoln. I mean, he really tried for for the civil rights, and it really, you really uh, saw that whenever it showed uh, Abilene. There's the picture of her dead son, and then right next to it is a picture of JFK who mm-hmm. was yeah. just recently shot in Dallas. Right. Yeah, I, that kind of just ties in with the political stuff about you really understand the time and how hard everything was for African-Americans who are actively being discriminated against just for the color of their skin. And then to have someone who is such a big beacon of hope for African-Americans around or across the country to be have them be killed on mm-hmm. TV. Well, I guess it wasn't on TV. The, the Pruder film was a different thing, but yeah, to have him be killed. And well, so, as a yeah, so as early. an American symbol, you know, and for that to happen in the public. I mean, yeah, yeah, that that's that's horrible. I mean, in yeah. itself, obviously, but just like it's it just was so raw and real, and it's just horrible that they. I mean, yeah, everybody went through the same grieving of that because they lost a hero. No matter what your skin color was. So, yeah. Sorry to cut you off a minute. What were you saying? Oh, no, saying to just the bits of like you get with the other TV elements. Like there was one guy talking about um, like not going to certain businesses to like hurt them, which made me almost think about the the stock market stuff that has happened, you know, just weeks ago. Right. But yeah. saying like, you know, like let's take our business away so they know what it's like. They know that they're hurting, they're hurting us, and they're screwing us over. And then when you have um, Henry and Abilene on the bus and they stop the bus and they're like, "All right, you guys get off, and then I'll try to drop the rest of you." Um, as close, close as I can, were, yeah. because some dude that was just blocks from his house, um, someone, you know, it's the chaos after the assassination and people trying to um, fight for, you know, equal rights, um, like the whole little pamphlet about like, you know, uh, you know, a black barber cannot cut the hair of basically white people, oh, women yeah. or children stuff like that but just all those political tie-ins of just all the things that were happening in the chaos and then like some dude just gets basically shot in his front yard yeah. for the yeah. his and i remember hearing that story obviously not you know like in real time but like i remember hearing that story in school when we were talking about you know everything that was going on around mlk and there's a movie that came out called uh, Ghosts of Mississippi, I want to think it's called. And I remember I was talking to my family about it because I just learned about um, Medgar Evers in school. And I wanted to rent it and watch it. And obviously, I was way too young to be watching that because, like, when I saw that he was about to get shot, I ran out of the room, you know. And But, like, everything that transpired after that, like, with just – the Evers family and um, the wife of Medgar, who is played by Whoopi Goldberg, 
Um, it, it was so powerful to see that. And for me to see that as, you know, whenever I was like second, third grade, Brayden, it was whenever we lived in Fairview. That's mm-hmm. when I watched that movie. So like I was pretty young still. And for me to be able to take that and for it to stick out to me. And then from that time to me being, you know, 25 now and them mentioning Evers. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I know who that is. I remember that story. So it's just these stories are just so historical in nature that it's interesting that this is all fiction that uh, we're, we're hearing or like seeing because this this could be a true story, like in the way that it's written and just the way that these scenes are written and the dialogue. I mean, it's yeah. just it's a perfect it's a perfect way of showing it. Um, mm-hmm. And they did such a fabulous job of really showing you all the emotion throughout this film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I was I was always bummed or bummed when I found out that this wasn't a yeah. true story or that the book wasn't actually I know I bet people are like happened. trying to find it on Amazon you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so but yeah that's uh, I, I don't know I mean we kind of hit the main parts and the main people I mean is there anything else you guys want to mention before we kind of wrap this up go watch Knuckle Deep baby <laughs> no, I'm just, watch. I'm just kidding <laughs> uh, listen Go watch the one. Just go watch the one picture still on YouTube. Yeah, (laughs) I did have just one more scene I wanted to talk about. I'm not sure if we touched on, and it's it's right at the end. It's Skeeter's last time talking to Abilene and Minnie, and she's like, "I have to stay here. I have to, because you know she's kind of been protecting them, uh, the whole movie and keeping their identity safe. And she's like, "I have to stay. I can't go to New York, and I have to protect you guys and." Like, like, nope, we got each other. Yeah. yeah. She's like, yeah. we got each other. And then Manny goes, if you think you're going to walk your butt to New York, you better run it. Mm-hmm. And she said, you're never getting a boy in this town ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. That was a really good scene. That really yeah, was. was. I think I a little bit think maybe there, there's a lot of people who don't like this film due to the white savior uh, character arc that Skeeter has, which again I think is necessary for most of the film because although it would have been more empowering, it wouldn't have made sense at the time for two African American women to be able to make this book sell as much as it did. So right. Skeeter was necessary for that, but I think although like I said, it's an it's an incredibly powerful part of the movie. It's kind of like their final goodbyes to each other, but the fact that uh, uh, Skeeter f- says like she feels the need to protect them. I feel like that is where most people get their feelings of uh, white savior. But like I said, I think the scene was really good, and I think it was su- I think it was really nice way to tie off the the end of the three of them together, right. and to know right. that the that uh, Abilene and Minnie have each other's backs, which of course they did for the whole movie. But now they're better off i guess is the right way to put it i don't know if that's necessarily true yeah. but i mean they they come away they they come away with experience that they hadn't had before so yeah. that's something that you can't take away no matter how many spoons that you're you know wrongly accused of taking so 
But right. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, all of this was such a great, great conversation, guys. We really appreciate you coming on, but we got to rate this thing. And um, we're going to use our rating system. But for now, I'm going to ask my lovely co-host, Amanda, to go first. Um, this is a really good film, really enjoyable. Um, for me, it's just a little bit too long. Um, and I didn't really need to have a love interest for Skeeter and all that. Yeah. But, you know, good story yeah. arcs. We didn't even need to have a lot of the men in this movie either. So I love that it is a a movie with a ton of amazing women that have just had fantastic careers. And, um, yeah, I'll give this one a 2.5. Okay. Um, what about you, August? Okay. You told me before. I have forgotten. It's out of three, right? Yes, sir. Three reels. All right. Just to just to make sure, I um I agree, the love interest for Skeeter was completely irrelevant, especially considering he turned turned out to be a racist piece of shit at the end of the movie, and he was literally in the movie for nothing. Um, I think that was ridiculous. I think some parts of Skeeter's character arc were a little too white savior-ish for the movie, but then again, I guess it's not the movie's fault; it's more the book's fault. Anyway, but I'm not going to discount. I'm going to give it a 2.8 because this movie uh, is now probably one of my favorites, much like a different movie, uh, Hidden Figures, which also has Octavia Spencer in it. I, I'm going to give it a 2.8, probably 2.8, 2.9, somewhere around there. OK, Braden, how about you, sir? Um, I can look past the uh, the dumb romance in the movie and I'm going to give it three reels because Octavia Spencer is the most entertaining actress of our time. And if you disagree with that, then that's a real shame. But um, <laughs> I just I just no I love the movie. here. And I I can I can get how it feels too long. Um, and there's definitely a lot of parts of like especially Skeeter's storyline that just go in a little bit into depth a little too much. But I think it's great. Yeah, it's a really, in, rich, really good movie. Yeah, very enriching. So I'm just going to have to say, like, I was going to split the difference with you, August, but you said 2.8, 2.9. So thanks for, you know, fucking that up. Um, <laughs> Sorry, man. I, I, I'm going to give this two point as well. Um, because yeah, the only thing I the only thing I can knock this film is it's a little too long. Like I remember when I put it, I was like two and a half hours. You know, <laughs> I was like, I don't yeah. want to be depressed that long. Um, <laughs> but like Amanda and I talked about with um, Malcolm and Malcolm and Marie, that film is like an hour and forty minutes, and it's just the perfect length because of the material. I think that this does everything it needs to, but I don't know. It just Sitting there for two and a half hours, it's just, it's hard sometimes. Watchability on this film, I see myself going back and watching this, like, I don't know, every year. But I think in special circumstances, I could definitely see myself coming back to this. Or maybe at least seeing some key scenes, some great dialogue that's used in this film. Yeah. 
So I'm yeah, I'm gonna stick with the two point nine on this one, but yeah, I mean that's almost it's it's so close to being a perfect score. We have a two point five, two point eight, two point nine, and a three. Yeah. So I think this film did did pretty well on that yeah. front. I forgot um, to mention I forgot to mention uh since I since you gave it a two point nine, I'll stick with my two point eight. But good. there's a <laughs> there's a couple scene there's two scenes that I have in mind. Uh, about the detail that they went into while filming this movie. And although I guess it is, you know, a high level production company that's making the movie, there's a scene where it's an aerial shot of Jacksonville, I would assume. And all the cars, you know, there's a bunch of cars on the road. All of them are at least old timey, I guess. I don't really know the dates of all the cars that are on the street, but they're all like get to it. (laughs) <laughs> they're all like, you know, old Cadillacs, old Fords. They're all appropriate for the time, especially when I don't think anyone would have really noticed if they used just regular cars on the street. And then there's a the, Fiat. Yeah, a Fiat yeah. or something. <laughs> and then there's the, one more scene uh, when Minnie breaks into uh, the bathroom to find Celia, uh, who had just, just lost her baby. There's blood mm-hmm. all over the floor and everything. She walks in to uh, the hallway or walks up the stairs and there's a mirror really far behind her. And the way the recording, it looks like you should see the people recording Octavia Spencer walking up the stairs in this mirror that's on the other side of the room. But there's I mean, it's like not there. The recording people obviously aren't there. And I mean, this I just think they did a great job with the detail, the level of detail in the movie. It feels of the time. Yeah. yeah, it's a very good period piece, and I'm not a big period piece kind of guy. Like I, I like films that are taking place and when it was, uh, you know, intentionally written or like, or not intentionally written, but like when it was written or whatever. Like that's mostly how I am. But this one definitely got a pass for me because, like, with the with the material that we're giving, it's obviously appropriate that it's set in this time. But yeah, so. I, I totally get that, and I think that's that's a really good um, thing to say just about the detail. They did a really good job with that. So, and also just oh. the outfits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love the hair costuming. Oh my yeah. god. Uh, <laughs> we forgot to bring up the commodes in the yard scene. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Millie <laughs> or Hilly. God, Hilly. I keep saying Millie. <laughs> I yard keep Millie. Yeah, the 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 toy, and then you see. Oh, what's her name? What's the little girl's name? May. May Mobley. Peeing almost said Bo Peep. <laughs> yeah, she's Bo peeing Peep. in the toilet. Yeah, Bo Peep's peeing in the toilet. No, but that's awesome. a great scene, too. Yeah. So, yeah, fuck that's Hilly. That's great. Can we all just say that? <laughs> fuck Hilly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that is our episode on The Help. Um, Real quick. I want to thank Braden and August for coming on. Um, we loved having you. Um, I hope you guys had fun. Kind of like, you know, this. I feel like this is kind of the first time that you guys kind of put yourselves out there in doing a movie review. How do you feel? Uh, it was a good movie to to review. There's so yeah, many details. Definitely, and, it's yeah. a good first one. Yeah. So I guess it's time for us to kind of unveil the secrets from behind the uh, magic of podcasting, but these two, Braden and August, will be back to review, and drumroll, please, 
Don't worry, I'm gonna add drum a drum track in there so you can get it. You don't actually have to do it. Um, this is the team that is going to be doing our monster verse retrospective of Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla, the King of the Monsters, and the upcoming film that will be released in theaters and HBO Max on the same day, Godzilla versus Kong. And uh, they'll be joining us along with Amanda's co-host of her other show. And who is that, Amanda? Mr. Daniel Hebner. Yep, Dan Hebner is going to come on as well. So we are going to have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five mofos on this one to discuss the bigness. That's not a word. Is that a word? It is now. The biggerific. Big uh, <laughs> the kaiju-sized. Yes, the kaiju-sized podcast that we are going to give you guys. And we love you guys so much that we are not just going to be doing these films, but we will continue doing our genre films as they come out. Expect the uh, Monsterverse movies to start coming out, or the movie reviews coming out in March. We're going to have them leading up to Godzilla vs. Kong, so they're fresh in your mind and they're fresh in ours, and we'll be doing those week to week. So be on the lookout for those when they drop in your feeds. We'll make sure to tell everybody. Go check out Knuckle Deep. Um, they, Like I said, they're great guys. We've had a lot of fun uh, getting this plan together. I mean, it's my brother and his friend, so obviously I'm going to say a little more. They're great. Um, check out their episodes. They they're ha- they're they're having fun. That's what it's all about. Podcasting is not supposed to be some grueling thing unless you're getting paid for it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so do you guys have anything else you want to say before we uh, end? Uh, racial injustice is prevalent in today's society, and if you think otherwise, you need to take some time to think about yourself, man. Yeah. The help out. is the gr- help is a great example of just how horrible life was for black people back then, and in a lot of places, it's not uh, not much better now. And there's some things a lot of people could do better. Yes. And remember, you was smart. You was kind. You was kind and you, you was, was important. important. Yeah. Amanda, do you have anything else you want to add before we <laughs> yeah, head out? <laughs> Thank you guys so much. We will check you later and keep it real. See ya.